From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're listening to The Steve Malsberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. It is uh, four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday night, leading into Thanksgiving, right here on the East Coast of the United States. And you know what day and time it is wherever you are listening to the Steve Malzberg Show. Um, Before we get to our guest, I want to just give you an update. We've heard so much, and we talked about last night the uh, the uh, deal that was agreed to to release hostages. Israel would release uh, three uh, hostages, three three pr- prisoners from their prisons uh, for every uh, three hostages. I'm sorry, three to one for every one hostage released by Hamas. Israel would release three prisoners. It would be uh, Hamas releasing ten at a time uh, each day for four consecutive days. It'd be a ceasefire during that time. Uh, the first prisoner uh, was supposed to be released and, and, and cross over into Israel at uh, 3 a.m. Israeli time on Thursday. That's coming on. That ain't happening. Now they say the, uh, nobody's going to be released until at least Friday. And there's all kinds of rumors out there and speculation out there. One report said that uh, a, a Israeli security official went to Qatar and when he actually sat down and saw what was supposed to happen and, and, and saw firsthand what the intent was, uh, it was it was chaos. And it, it, he didn't, you know, so they he, I guess he called back to Israel and said, whoa, 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 we got a lot of stuff to straighten out here. Surprise, surprise. So nothing's happened yet. Um, but I, I, I want to introduce our, our, our guests. I, I'm thrilled to have him back. Always thrilled. It's an honor and a pleasure to, to welcome in Gordon Chang, China expert, author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War, which I think is more relevant now than ever. We will get to that. Gordon, thank you so much and appreciate you coming on. Oh, well, thank you so much, Steve, and happy Thanksgiving. Same to you and to your lovely wife. So, so let me ask you, uh, China, you know, we'll talk about the Xi-Biden meeting, but right after the Xi-Biden summit, in San Francisco, lovely place to have anything, uh, even though they they cleaned it up. Um, China held a, um, a a summit of their own, and it was a, a Middle East summit where a lot of diplomats from a lot of Arab states attended. Um, what is China? I mean, they've always been pro Palestinian, but why is China pursuing this? Did uh, is it to to get at the United States? Is it to somehow they see themselves as a peacemaker or a troublemaker or what what's going on with China getting so directly involved? Well, I guess it's all of the above, Steve, um, because China really wants to um, get support in what they call the global south. They think the Palestinian cause is popular, so they've aligned themselves with that. Of course, they would like to drive the U.S. out of the Middle East. And so they're working on that as as well. You know, they followed up that meeting with the Arab foreign ministers and the Indonesian foreign minister with um, the BRICS and other BRICS summit. This was virtual. And there they outlined their three-point peace plan, as they call it. So, you know, they're really working hard. I mean, I don't think that they are willing to do the tough work of diplomacy, um, but they are trying to get um, points, I suppose, um, popularity points 
with uh, the Arab states and with the Palestinians. Yeah. And um, I, 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 the timing to me, I mean, of course, it's in the middle of, of the ongoing conflict. So uh, the timing is not uh, so questionable or suspicious because when are you going to do it? Uh, nonetheless, it, it, it was done after uh, the meeting with Biden. Um, do you believe that that was uh, purposeful instead of having done it prior to the meeting? They, they, they waited. They know what the U.S.'s role is. They know what the U.S.'s goal is. They know who the U.S. is supporting. And then right after the meeting, uh, uh, basically a few days later, they have this summit. That's a great question, and I don't think uh, anyone outside of a small circle in Beijing really knows the answer to it. You know, part of it is these, that meeting took a long time to organize, and I'm not sure that China was fully in control of timing. So I suspect that that was more or less coincidental, um, but clearly Beijing is now very much on a charm offensive. They have to because they're really in trouble at home in their economy. So you know, they're just reaching out to everybody. And I think we're going to see a lot of this over the next couple of months. Okay. Let's, uh, let, let's talk about the, uh, the summit that was, um, and I, and I guess I got to ask you the obvious, uh, uh, something that got more attention than anything else, uh, which was when Biden gratuitously referred to, uh, his good buddy who he spent more time with than any other leader in the world, blah, 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 blah. Uh, president Xi, uh, they called him what he was, but nonetheless, he said he's a dictator. And of course, we've all seen the cringe of uh, Anthony Blinken, who was sitting in the front row when when Biden said that. And, and it was kind of like, oh, what the heck did he just say? So what's your take on what happened during the four hour meeting, whatever the heck it was? What did the U.S. get out of it in your view? What did China get out of it in your view? I don't think we got that much out of it, Steve. I think China got a lot. Um, and the reason is um, China right now, as I mentioned, their economy is stagnating, probably even contracting. What they really need is a lot of foreign money. And they needed to create the impression that things were okay with the United States so as to convince companies to put money into China. I don't, you know, then the, um, Xi Jinping had that big dinner um, you know, he didn't he didn't have dinner with the other people at the Apex Summit. He came over for the Apex Summit. Um, he didn't have dinner with them. He had dinner with American CEOs and senior CEOs, executives. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I think really that's what he came for um, was to try to convince them that this was the time for them to put money in China. Um, as Politico said, he met a great wall of skepticism. He did get three standing ovations, um, but he didn't say the things that the people in the room wanted to hear. So I think that, yeah, Xi Jinping was effective in getting them to stand up and clap. But I don't think that where it counts for them to put money in, that's not going to happen. You got to remember that last quarter, the third calendar quarter of this year, was the first time since statistics were first kept in 1998 that foreign investors took more money out of China than they put in. And we also have seen that uh, the money that rushed into the Chinese stock markets this year on the assumption that the country would recover after COVID, um, about 77% of that cash has already been withdrawn. Um, and a lot more is going to wow. come out. So I just don't think that China is, it wasn't very effective. Yes, it, 
it, it created a good impression, but I'm not sure that that is going to translate into what they really want, which is cold hard cash. Yeah, well, I was going to say, uh, Gordon, that you mentioned uh, they didn't hear what it, they wanted to hear. And I was going to say, give me the prime example of what they wanted to hear that she didn't say. I think that they wanted to hear Xi Jinping say that uh, his um, you know, unrelenting attack on foreign companies was going to end. And he didn't say that. Um, so, you know, this is... You know, he may be able to convince them that relations with the U.S. were not going to spiral downward. But um, the important point for them um, was, what is the business environment in China? You know, are, are they going to, for instance, um, decriminalize the collection of ordinary business information? You know, we, they, did, they did that on July 1st with amendments to the counter-espionage law. Really a big deal for foreign companies. I mean, Xi Jinping is not giving up on that. He's not giving up on all sorts of other stuff that has occurred, especially since March of this year. So um, it was a speech filled with a lot of generalities and, um, you know, Communist Party sort of lingo that they love, you know, this overflowing flattery and stuff. Um, but that doesn't really fit very well with a U.S. audience. As the Wall Street Journal, I think, correctly said, his speech was tone deaf. Yeah, we're talking to Gordon Chang here on the Steve Malsberg show. I I, I want to get to um, uh, I, I want to get to um, the uh, AI and and your book. Um, but I want to ask you first: if you stop and think, think of human rights or lack thereof in China. When you think of the Uyghurs in China, um, and and yeah, this is nothing new. This has been going on. You know, the NBA, LeBron James, all these people, all these companies, Apple, everybody's there. Everybody wants to be there or did want to be there, whatever. And to get to give him to give this guy stand, a stand a, to give him an audience, but to give him standing ovations, um, and China just gets away with it. They just what no nobody in the media, for the most, but not the mainstream, says whenever they mention uh, President Xi or China or the summit. And of course, we know that there are no human rights in China. We know, you know, limited, and we know that the Uyghurs are in basic uh, slave labor camps and blah blah blah. Nobody says it. Nobody says it, and and, uh, and that's horrific enough. And then I think of you know how they they just Israel is under the microscope constantly and they're evil and they're every name in the book for defending themselves but China yeah China's China with no no uh, no asterisk next to it well a couple things here one of them is that because you know China you know people for a very long time assumed that China was going to dominate the world it's going to have the world's biggest economy it was going to be a wonder to behold Everyone was sort of thinking, well, you know, we got to, you know, we got to live with these guys. But, you know, especially this year, um, we're seeing signs of extreme distress in the Chinese economy. And, you know, there's the country's in deflation. You can't be in deflation and grow at 5.2%, which is what they claim for the first three quarters right. of this year. Exports are down six straight months. Um, you know, the manufacturing sector is a disaster. Property is even worse. They got a debt crisis they can't deal with. You know, they've got vacant apartments, sufficient number of vacant apartments to house at least 1.4 billion people, which is the entire population of China. Wow. Wow. So some people say 3 billion. I mean, there's a disagreement on, on the number of people. Um, but the point is, 
the law of supply and demand says that they can't pay back the debt. You know, even if they were growing at 5.2%, that's not sufficient to create the output to pay back debt. So Xi Jinping is is at a at a point right now where he doesn't really know what to do, I think. I mean, he, he's implementing these malice solutions, making the situation worse. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem here, Steve, ultimately is um, I don't blame the business exec. I mean, the business executives, they're hideous, but, you know, they're business. But what I really do blame is President Biden for allowing that dinner to occur in the first place. Um, you know, Xi Jinping is a guest on American soil. Um, APEC, you know, the APEC meeting was scheduled for San Francisco. So, you know, Xi Jinping can come. I can understand that on some level, but we don't allow Xi Jinping to um, to go to these dinners, hold these dinners, to go in and really drum up support in the U.S. for China. That really was wrong. Um, yeah. One yeah. other thing, and that is, look, Xi Jinping has been responsible for killing Americans with fentanyl, COVID-19. He's running a genocidal regime. I mean, if it were President Chang and, and Xi Jinping shows up on American soil, I tell you, I arrest the guy and I send him to Guantanamo. Um, so, but you know, Biden's never going to do that. But Biden should never have allowed that dinner to occur. Right. No, that is a great. That is a great point, and I, I love what you said. All right, let me give you one more, Gordon. And you've been very generous with your time. This AI nuclear deal. This this deal that would limit. Um, uh, the use of AI in nuclear weapons and in drones. What is the status of that? Because I, I going into it, I ex- I heard that that might come out of it, but when it when when the meetings were over, I didn't hear that discussed much. But then in the aftermath of the summit, I'm now hearing that it was agreed to, or it's about to be agreed to. So, what is it, and why is everybody saying? And I, I agree, but you you know more about it. Why 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 would we do this when it's such a bad deal? For us, apparently. Yeah. Um, when this was first um, broached by administration officials, they were talking about an agreement. Um, but clearly, as they discussed it during the summit and what we learned afterwards, this really was an agreement to talk. So they're going to talk about this. Now, AI and nuclear weapons are two things that should not occur in the same sentence. The problem here is that you cannot have an enforceable agreement as a practical matter, because in order to do that, we would have to have access to millions, tens of millions of line of code in China. They're not going to let us do that. And and frankly, we're not going to let them do that in our country. So um, although it is really dangerous to allow AI to make decisions as to when to use nuclear weapons, you just can't have an agreement with China because we'll have, we'll honor it and they won't. So um, this is one of those situations where humanity is in a very difficult position. Yes, it's uh, it's it's kind of uh, it's it's kind of the situation that that came to mind with the uh, the whole uh, Hamas uh, deal with uh, Israel. You know, how long before Hamas uh, breaks it and then, of course, blame, tries to blame it on Israel. Gordon, of course, um, and, and and that is discussed, I would assume, in in, uh, 
and more in the great U.S.-China uh, tech war. If you, if you haven't read it, I, everybody should uh, get that because it's, it's going to affect everybody if it's not affecting everybody already. Gordon Chang, thank you so much, my friend. Always a pleasure. Great holiday and holiday season, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Well, thank you so much, Steve, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. It's always my honor. Thank you. Gordon Chang, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Steve Malzberg Show. Very, very interesting. And, um, you know, there's so much there's so much going on. There's so much going on. And I know that uh, we discussed it after the uh, summit ended, but we really haven't discussed it until we speak to Gordon because he's the authority. <laughs> he's the authority. And uh, I wanted to I wanted to make sure we did. And I, I learned a lot just now, uh, a whole lot. And that A.I. thing, you got to watch, get to watch because. Look, Biden, before he goes, he'll sell out and he'll just to say, oh, we signed an agreement with China. Oh, wonderful. We're so wonderful. You know, just like whatever. And of course, he does what he's told. He does what, in my opinion, Barack Obama and his people tell him to do. You know, he, he, he maybe he does make some decisions and it ticks off Obama, uh, like still being in the race. Or maybe they want him still in the race, as we've discussed, so that Nobody else could get in the primaries. And then at the convention, Obama inserts the candidate that he wants to insert. Anyway, we've been down that road uh, before. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to uh, come back. And uh, we do have another guest planned. I'm not going to give you his name in case uh, in case he cannot make it. But uh, we'll play a few sound bites first, which I think are very interesting tonight. Did you see what happened to the Canadian-U.S. border or the U.S.-Canadian border? Uh, very, very interesting. And uh, everybody thought it was terrorism, but apparently it's not. All that straight ahead, Steve Malzberg right here on TNT Radio Vision. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns, They didn't think I was going to make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. Two, think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. Three, it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, Park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire, and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. 
Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. Then I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Steve Malsberg with you. And um, before we get to our guest, uh, David Horowitz, uh, I want you all to, are you aware of what happened? There was a <laughs> there was a, a scenario going on, a scene going on over at uh, the um, border, the U.S. and Canadian border in, um, in Niagara Falls. It was uh, very, very uh, frightening. Uh, people didn't know what had happened. A car uh, crossed over the Rainbow Bridge. As it was crossing over, it exploded, but it did more than explode. So first, let's go to uh, let, let's go to two forty nine and give a listen. But we just got some new watch. video in, and we want to let it play. There it is. You yeah. can see the size of the uh, fire there. Yeah. Let's listen. Look how blunt the smoke is. Oh my gosh, it's getting worse. Yeah. Is somebody trying to put it out or? I don't know. I don't know. It's just spreading by itself? Our car is right there. My car is right on the side. Oh my goodness, it's spreading. Hmm. Oh shit. What happened? I have no idea. Tom Winter, you can see the the size of the fire. You can see the black smoke. Uh, apparently, someone who is uh, building very near in a building very near the um, the bridge. I mean, that looks really bad. Now, I want you to watch, and there's no audio to this, and we're running it about four different times. It's very short, but I want you to watch the top of your of the picture here. That's good. The video that's going to come on from a, from to the left from the left side. It's going to go to the right side. Watch the car. Watch the car. Let's roll 250. Keep an eye. I'm going to talk you through this. Keep an eye on the left top, kind of. Left top, left top. And see the car? It's going to go. We'll watch it again two more times, I think. Keep an eye on the left top there. See, it just, just cascades over like, look at that. And then it exploded. The thing exploded. Um, when it, uh, you know, hit the ground and apparently two people in the car were killed right away. Everybody thought it was terrorism. And so far they say, okay, now upon th- further review, it's not terrorism. And I guess we should be thankful for that. Nobody knows what happened. Did a driver get sick? Did the car malfunction? Did, yeah, did yeah, whatever, but we'll keep you up to date. Of course, if there's any, uh, any new news on that. All right. Uh, I'm going to introduce my next guest. Um, a name that everybody knows. If you don't know, you've been missing out for decades, but it's not too late to uh, start. And he is the founder of the David Hart's uh, Freedom Center. He is the author of The Radical Mind, The Destructive Plans of the Woke Left, and so many other wonderful books. But that's the, that's the latest. We say hello to David Horowitz. David, my friend, are you there? Hi, Steve. I am. In the flesh. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> it's always good to be in the flesh one way or another. I appreciate that. And, and I wish you a happy uh, and you and your family a happy Thanksgiving and a healthy one. Uh, let's let's get right to it, though. And um, I don't even know where to begin when it comes to the destructive plans of the woke left. 
the radical mind, as you put it so aptly in the title of your great book. Um, why don't you start us? What is the biggest threat? Because well, I don't know where to start. What Joe Biden likes to call an inflection point. We have hundreds of thousands of people, college educated especially, because our colleges were taken over by the anti-American hateful left 30 years ago, um, chanting Nazi slogans. The, the, the Islamic Nazis are worse than the Hitler Nazis because Hitler had the final solution, that's this exterminating the Jews as a secret program because he thought that the Germans were too civilized to accept such a horrific idea of eliminating a race. But the um, Arab Nazis shouted from the rooftops. They supported Hitler during the Second World War. The Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, who's the godfather of Palestinian nationalism, went to Berlin during the war to form an Arab legion for Hitler. That's their agenda. And they also, uh, it, it's pretty shocking to see so many young people spewing such obvious lies, beginning with the one that Israel occupies Palestine. And for 75 years, it's occupied Palestine. This is ridiculous. 75 years ago, Palestine didn't exist. It, it was created in 1964 to pretend that this is an issue of self-determination. It's an issue of Islamic radicalism. Islam wants world domination. I, I don't, that's not an interpretation. That's what they say. But they want a global caliphate so that everybody becomes a Muslim and the Jews are in their way. When Israel was created, it was not created out of Arab land. Israel doesn't occupy a square inch of Arab land. It was created in the same way Jordan, uh, Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq were created out of the ruins of the Turkish Empire, the Ottoman Empire. The Turks aren't Arabs, let alone Palestinians. Nobody was calling themselves Palestinians in 1948. That was invented. The slogan then was push the Jews into the sea. So you have a Nazi movement, which is very powerful now because it's got all this Iranian weapons that Biden has helped them gather. Um, and could literally wipe out Israel in a day. Uh, and you have the most progressive, so-called, uh, I've always called them reactionaries because they're still operating out of Marx's crackpot theories. But anyway, progressives to a man and woman buy this propaganda and spread the lies Israel's an apartheid state. There are a million, more than a million Arabs, Muslims, living in Israel as citizens who have more rights than the Arabs of any Middle Eastern state. 
Well, David, David, let me also let me let, let me let me also ask you that. Let me also ask you this. And and of course, there's there's a lot more um, to the radical left and their plans uh, than than what you're talking about in, in, in Israel. And I'm, I appreciate your views and I, I agree with almost everything, almost everything you, you said. And 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 by the way, my favorite my favorite is give the land back to the Palestinians, give Jerusalem back, give uh, the give uh, the Gaza back, give the Sinai back to the 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 go back to the Palestinians. When of course Israel took uh, Jerusalem and the Sinai, uh, for, I'm sorry, Jerusalem and the West Bank from Jordan. They took uh, the Sinai and Gaza from Egypt uh, and the Golan Heights, of course, from Syria. But everybody says give it back to the Palestinians. So I guess it was stolen from the Palestinians by the aforementioned countries. But let me go beyond. Let me ask you about the role in, in what role do you believe um, Barack Obama plays in everything beyond the Middle East. I mean, everything that's happening in this country. A liar and a hypocrite, an anti-American, a Muslim, uh, an evil man. He's responsible for this mess. I don't think, you know, Joe Biden, whom is an even more wretched individual than Obama, uh, had come to power without Obama. He, he couldn't have done half of what Obama did because people had respect. Obama was pretty clever in his presentation of self. But it's Obama. It's Obama who launched this, sorry about that, Iran deal. Yeah, well, I, I want to ask you, David, also, and we're talking to David Horowitz, uh, founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center and author of the radical mind, the destructive plans of the woke left. Um, it starts on the schools. It starts with the children. It starts in the young grades. It starts with 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 our kids. And yes, we have and, to defund. And they are they they are being they are being indoctrinated. They are being hoodwinked. They are being lied to. They are being taught. How could you, with a self-respecting face, go out and? Uh, chant against Israel's non-occupation of Palestine. How could, they don't even know the history of Gaza, which was part of Egypt. Was there a Palestinian uprising when Egypt uh, controlled? No, but David, David, I'm talking, uh, David, I'm talking about, I'm talking about in grade school, in middle school, what they're doing to our kids, what they're indoctrinating our kids with, how they're trying to tear apart the family structure, how they're trying to uh, get rid of the word pedophile and make it maps. My, minor attracted. Billy is a half-wit Marxist who threw bombs in the 60s, became a professor at Columbia Teachers College most prestigious teachers college. And he has a whole series. He's the editor of a whole series of textbooks, teaching social justice and mathematics, teaching social justice and science. How does he teach social justice and mathematics? He uses as uh, numerical examples, the number of blacks who died in Vietnam, which was much less than the whites who died. Just, you can't, the, the capitulation of the adult, um, well, we don't have a term for adults, do we? We've got Gen Z, we've got, we have, but the adults. <laughs> right. 
Old. How about old? <laughs> administrators in the colleges are the real problem. They need to all be yep. fired. Hey, David, David, I, I, I want everybody to pick up the book, um, The Radical Mind, The Destructive Plans of the Woke Left. God bless you, my friend. Stay well. And I look forward to the next time we speak again. Thank you, Steve. Anytime. Take care. David Horowitz, ladies and gentlemen, founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Uh, somebody I've been talking to and interviewing and I mean, for it seems like forever. And 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 God bless you. And, and yeah, I cut I cut it short a little bit. And I don't think he's on anymore. I hope he's not. I cut it short, not because I didn't. I couldn't have talked to him for the rest of the hour, but because I, I, he's he's got some health issues, and he struggles. And I know he likes to keep the interviews, or those around him like to keep the interviews short for health reasons and whatnot. And um, out of respect for that, that's 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 why I did it. And. Um, Anyway, so that's David Horowitz. Okay, so let's get let's get to some other sound bites um, before we uh, we got some time before our next break. And uh, by the way, I will be here tomorrow. I will be here on Thanksgiving. How do you like that? Um, no guests. Why? Well, no, 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 no. There is a guest. There is a guest, and I think you'll find it very interesting. Someone who heads a group. I'm not going to get specific. I mean, you, you wouldn't know the name necessarily anyway. Someone who heads a group who is helping Ukrainian Jews in Israel during this time of war with food and, 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 and things they need in the name of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's very interesting. You know, there are, I don't have to tell my audience, I'm sure. Jews love Israel, and, and Israel has a special meaning for Jews, uh, and for me as a Jew. And there are, you know, evangelicals and Christians who love Israel. It has its own meaning for, for Christi many Christians. And then there is something also called Jews for Jesus, which to me is a little oxymoronic because, you know, if you, it, by definition, if you're a Jew, you don't believe that Jesus is is you know is is God's son. Um, however, everybody anybody's free to believe what they want to believe, and there are those Jews for Jesus who love Israel for for in their under their beliefs. So it's going to be very interesting tomorrow. Not confrontational at all, but the good work that they are doing. And uh, somebody said to me, "You're going to put them on." I said, "Of course I'm going to put not not from the station, but a, a friend of mine said." And and I said, "Of course I'm going to put them on." He's doing great work. It's from his heart. It's from the organization. The organization, it's from their heart. You know, just, just because they have different beliefs um, doesn't, doesn't mean that, and, they're, and they're, they're helping people. You know, they're helping people who need help in Israel under these circumstances. So we'll talk about it. It'll be interesting. That's tomorrow. And then Friday, God willing. And when I say I'll be here tomorrow, of course, it's always God willing. Uh, Friday, I'll be here and there's no guests and we'll uh, shoot the breeze. How do you shoot the breeze? How do you know if you hit the breeze? Well, yeah, of course you hit the breeze. How could you? The question should be, how do you not hit the breeze? Right? Okay. Well, since I'm in my comedy mode, is there any way I could do this right now? 
Let me see if I could get to this right now. Oh, where am I going to find it? The first cut I'm going to play right now is going to be not yet, but 48. If it's at 248, if it's a problem, just let me know. Otherwise, it'll be 248. But I got to find that the um, I got to find the uh, the story, of course. And okay, here it is. Here it is. Bob Menendez, Senator Bob Menendez, New Jersey. Again, under uh, criminal and indictment and, and, and whatever, he's in big, big trouble. Uh, people demanding he doesn't run for re-election. The governor's wife, Phil Murphy's wife, is going to run against him as a Democrat in the primary. She's going to primary him. Um, so anyway, he was indicted in federal court in Manhattan in September for allegedly using his position on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee uh, to benefit the government of Egypt. In exchange, prosecutors say he and his wife got hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes in the form of cash, a convertible, and here it comes, gold bars. Gold bars. Now, it's interesting because according to Mediate here, uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, on Tuesday, it was revealed that Menendez has hired an attorney. You want to know his name? Robert Gold Bars Luskin. I kid you not. Luskin got the nickname after he accepted a half a million bucks in gold bars as payment while representing Stephen Sakosia, the former coin dealer who's serving a 660-year sentence over a money laundering scheme involving Colombian drug cartels. For Menendez's sake, I hope the... Uh, I hope gold gold bars does better in representing him. Nonetheless, so part of the compensation was gold bars, allegedly the illegal re, you know receipts, and the attorney is nicknamed Gold Bars. It's almost like this episode of Seinfeld where Jerry gets a notice that his a book from the library when he was in a kid in school was never returned, and it's like you know. 15, 20 years overdue, and they go to the library, and he's with Kramer, and they talk to the librarian. Here's cut 248. This case has been turned over to our library investigations officer, Mr. Bookman. Bookman? The library investigator's name is actually Bookman? <laughs> it's true. That's amazing. That's like an ice cream man named Cone. <laughs> Oh, there are a million examples, my friend, that it, it, there are a million examples, believe me. But I just the second I saw this story, I, like I say, everything revolves. Everything could go be related to to Seinfeld. OK, now back to more serious matters. Sorry about that. But I, I had to, I had to get that. That was my big uh, my big comedy routine. So I <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. So let's go now uh, to and this is um, Mike Pompeo. Mike Pompeo, former congressman, former director of the CIA under Donald Trump, uh, talking to Dana Perino on Fox about um, the deal Israel cut for the hostages and about how Israel must continue, must continue the war, the wiping out, the destroying of Hamas, even if there is a ceasefire for X amount of days. It's a very interesting analysis and conversation. And, and Dana Perino is going to make an excellent point. Excellent point. 
which she usually does, but but can't wait for that. Okay, so here we go. Uh, it has nothing to do with the name of anybody. Uh, here is cut number, as I said, 238. You know, the Wall Street Journal writing today in its editorial board, the Israel-Hamas hostage deal. Innocents will be freed, but the terrorists get a chance to regroup. Also saying that even as Israelis rejoice for the women and children who will return home, they know Hamas is rejoicing too. Its war crimes have been rewarded. This is an excruciatingly difficult decision for the Israelis. Do you think that there's a lot more perhaps that they know behind the scenes that gives them comfort that this is the right move at this time? Well, Dana, good morning. I, I'm confident that they do. I'm com confident that the security folks in Israel, Prime Minister Netanyahu, understand the mission set, which is the complete annihilation of Hamas. Uh, the unmitigated joy of those families when they see their loved ones returned, if it in fact happens as they have described it, um, is unimaginable. Uh, and Dana, you know, something we should all just remember here in America, uh, the, the Hamas folks don't feel that way. We, the, the excruciating nature of this decision that the Israeli leadership had to go through is not something the Hamas leaders suffer. They're just about killing. They're just about destruction. They're just about wanton rape. They, they don't value human life in the way we do. And so I think that does set the mission mm -hmm. and the context against which this release happens. Yeah. I mean, it, it had to be a tough decision for, you know, the Israeli government. I think they felt a lot of pressure from the families of those being held hostage. A, a little girl, to, uh, I think on Friday, turns nine. You got kids in there younger. I mean, where's the outrage been this whole time? Where's the outrage been this whole time? Where's the Red Cross been screaming, let us see the hostages, children, babies? Nothing, nothing, nothing. And if you listen to Hamas and the people who believe and support and repeat what the Nazis of Hamas say, there are no hostages. You know, this all was staged. And they ripped down the signs. Oh, wonderful people. Nazi lovers. Okay, so here's more from um, uh, Mike Pompeo, uh, cut number 239. I'm so happy uh, that this is going to happen. I pray that Hamas will, for the first time in a long time, live up to a promise it's made. The devil in this uh, deal will prove to be in the details, just as that devil sits in Tehran today. Mm -hmm. Make no mistake about it. Um, the Israelis must continue their effort. The reason these hostages are coming home, if they do, the reason they will be returned to their families is because of the enormously good work right. the Israelis have done to put pressure uh, on Hamas leadership over the past six plus weeks. Yeah, well, and and the reason, um, unfortunately, you know, Hamas, believe me, the media will turn this into, I don't even know, I don't even know, I can't even imagine how how horrific it's going to be how the media is going to turn this around you know wait till they see the the uh the, the women who uh who stabbed or tried to stab uh you know israeli soldiers citizens police officers the men who did the same thing uh who threw molotov cocktails oh 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 it's about time they were released from prison you know they were just part of the resistance <laughs> oh god okay so here's uh, dana perino with a Good question here. I believe this is the part. Here's cut 240. Several experience, past experiences would lead us to believe that adult hostages that are released, these women and older children that are going to be released in this first 50, it is likely they've been given instruction by Hamas to go on air to talk about how wonderfully they were treated. 
because they've been warned that their loved ones who are going to be left behind, the men, the brothers, the husbands, the fathers, will be in danger if they don't. And I think that's something we all need to keep in mind as we start to hear from them. Dana, that's a, that's a good thought to hold. Uh, these folks will not only have been through the horrors of detention by these barbaric terrorists, but they will be under continued pressure, as will the Israeli leadership and the families of these hostages, uh, to speak about this in a way that does its level best to get the remaining 150-some hostages home as well. It's a terrible conundrum. I'm guessing we'll learn about the conditions of detention of all of these hostages when and if these folks are ultimately released. I pray that that's so, because only continued pressure will get the remaining hostages home. We need to bring them home now. The Israelis need to bring them home now. And Hamas needs to release them now. And the butchers in Tehran need to support that. By the way, three Americans are reportedly among those who will be released, including the young girl, seven or eight or nine, I think seven, could be nine, but whatever. Uh, so that's, again, that's the plan. But as you know, the deal has been postponed. The first hostage was supposed, the first set of hostages was supposed to be released uh, by, by three o'clock on Thursday morning. So it's about that now. Should have been released by now. Now it's not going to happen until Friday at the earliest. Okay. All right. One more question and answer from Dana Perino on Fox 2. Uh, former CIA director under Donald Trump, former Congressman Mike Pompeo. Uh, here is 241. The United States has been attacked approximately 66 times since October 17th and 34 separate times in Syria, 32 separate times in Iraq. Look at this map here. These are all of the attacks that are happening <laughs> against Americans. What do you think about the retaliatory strikes that we are doing? Should we be doing more? Dana, so long as the Iranians continue to attack America, we have to put pressure on the regime, not on its knucklehead proxies sitting in Iraq, but on the regime itself. Uh, this is an important point. There's, so there will be, if this deal moves forward, there will be a ceasefire, a pause, a truce, call it whatever you will. There'll be moments where there won't be Israeli attacks into Gaza. But the Iranians aren't going to stop their efforts all across the world. This is a localized effort to get a group of hostages home. I suspect that these attacks on Americans will continue until this administration does the most fundamental thing, which is acknowledge that all of this, the horrors of October 7th, the missiles that are flying in from Hezbollah into Israel out of Lebanon today, the rockets that the Yemenis are firing into Saudi Arabia and the ship that they took in the in the strait. Uh, th these are all Iranian-backed attacks, and this administration has done nothing to slow that down. And we will get Americans killed if this administration refuses to put pressure on the regime itself. If we just try to respond by firing missiles in the night into empty warehouses, that will not stop the attacks on Americans from Iran. Iran is orchestrating, is responsible for attacking our soldiers and you saw the map and you heard her many times and we do nothing nothing it, it's incomprehensible incomprehensible except if you realize in my opinion barack obama who has a fetish for the terrorist regime of iran always had always will he doesn't want it. He doesn't want retaliation. He doesn't want to fight them. He wants to love them. Okay. How much money have we given them? 
How much money do we continue to make available to them? How much, how much more embarrassment? How many more ships are going to get hit? How many more, how many more, well, not hit, but attacked? How many more rockets are going to be fired at our troops in their barracks here in Syria and Iraq? And, and we do nothing. That doesn't sound like Joe Biden, right? It is Barack Obama, which further makes my case that he, Barack Obama, is in charge, as he said he envisioned his third term would put him in charge. Okay, folks, we have one final segment left in the pre-Thanksgiving day show. I have officially dubbed it that. Um, I don't have any more Seinfeld cuts today, sorry. Uh, Right here on TNT Radio Vision. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. It was reported over the weekend that Special Counsel Robert Hur, no relation to Ben, who's been tasked with investigating Joe Biden's criminal misappropriation, mishandling, and maladministration of classified documents to which he never had any legal basis for possessing, will not be bringing criminal charges against the president. Meanwhile, Special Persecutor Jack Smith who has criminally charged Donald Trump for possessing documents he was legally entitled to, is proceeding full speed ahead. Joe Biden having classified documents in his garage? Not a problem. Donald Trump having classified documents held under lock and key at Mar-a-Lago, which is protected by Secret Service? That's a criminal violation, pal. You're going to pay for that. It's the hypocrisy. It's the double standard. It's the complete injustice of our Department of Justice that is so galling and it has people so angry. I think the worm eventually is going to turn, however, and all of those malefactors that are now interfering with yet another election are going to have their day in court on the wrong end of the V when the Department of Justice once again meets out justice. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea. My dad was a farmer. The guy was bigger than life. He wasn't someone that liked to show his emotion or liked to show when he was struggling. But we all struggle. I want to show emotion to my kids. It's something that brings me so much joy. And I want them to see me working through things. Allow your kids to know that it's okay to struggle. That even dad doesn't know the answer sometimes, but we're going to figure it out together. You're listening to The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we are back. Uh, don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Steve M. Talk, uh, Facebook.com slash Steve M. Talk, uh, Instagram Steve M. Talk, and tell your friends. I mean, you could hate me or you could love me. I don't care. As a talk radio freak growing up as a kid, I listened to talk radio that I loved, but I listened to, I, I, I find myself as I, you know, as I was a kid and grew up and as a host and going home in the car, I would put on people that I disagreed with. I would put on people that I didn't want anything to do with, you know? So if you have friends who you think would hate my guts, put, tell them to tune in. Yeah, that's all. Email me. It's uh, not at, but email me, Steve Malsberg, uh, at tntradio.live, Steve Malsberg at tntradio.live. If I'm saying it wrong, folks, correct me, but I think I'm right. Okay, so Dean Phillips is a Democratic congressman from 
the state of Minnesota. He's kind of running against Joe Biden in the Democrat. I don't know if he's making primaries. I don't know what the running means because nobody's heard of him really. And it, but whatever. But he was on CNN with Abby Phillips last night and uh, talking about um, what he would do uh, about the, uh, the, the, um, the, the, the ceasefire and all this and all that. And, and, and I want you to hear what he had to say. It's pretty interesting. Uh, here is cut uh, number 246. The reporting is that uh, Hamas would release kidnapped Israeli hostages in exchange for a three to one ratio of Palestinian prisoners, women and my minors, children who are in Israeli prison. If you were president of the United States, would you accept that deal? No, because we have nine Americans held hostage right now by Hamas, have been there for six weeks, including at least one child. And by now, I would have expected American special forces to perhaps play a hand in extracting them. I think it's absurd, uh, shocking, and dismaying that six weeks later, we still have American hostages held by a terror organization in Gaza. Uh, I'm happy for the Israelis, don't get me wrong. Hamas should release all hostages. But the fact that we have Americans sitting in Gaza right now held hostage is appalling and should be addressed immediately. Yeah, you probably didn't even know that there were so many Americans being held hostage. Who the hell talks about them? Right? Who the hell talks about them? Unbelievable. Really, unbelievable. Here is cut 247. So to be clear, you would turn down even this opportunity to free 50 uh, hostages. And and I want to just clarify for the audience, these are Israelis, but some of them are dual citizens. They hold dual passports, including some Americans. If all Americans are included that are held hostage right now, of course I would approve it. If there's a single American that is still held hostage after this deal, no. I think it's that important, Abby. I think the American president has an obligation to extract Americans. It's been six weeks, and I'm happy that some are being released, but every single American citizen should be part of that group. And if I were the American president, I would not agree to anything until every single one of them is released. I would demand it, and if it wasn't done, we have to use every lever available to us to ensure. You mean to tell me that this country, this president, this administration couldn't do what the congressman said? Couldn't say to Hamas, the scum of Hamas, you better not touch a hair on the head of the Americans, including little kids who are American. And you better release them now. Really? We couldn't do that? We didn't do that? What the hell is wrong with this country, with this, with this administration, with this, this so-called leadership? Almost 50 days, these Americans have been, God knows what's been happening to them. Shameful. Shameful. All right, folks, uh, Jason Oborn's next. I'm Steve Malsberg. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. God willing, I'll be on tomorrow, same time, 9 p.m. Eastern. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. We'll do it right here on TNT Radio Vision.